I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Gary Trust here in Billboard's New York offices with uh, maybe the person most responsible for shaping hit rock music in New York City with us here today, Rita Houston, Program Director of WFUV Radio. Uh, thank you for that kind intro, Gary. <laughs> it's true, isn't it, Rita? Um, you know, I'm so happy the latitude that we have at WFUV to kind of follow our hearts which you guys are in the radio business, you know that that has become, for better or for worse, a bit of a rarity uh, for programmers. And there is a lot of heart in the building at WFUV, and we get to run with that. It seems like a kind of old-fashioned notion, and I'm sure to many it sounds like a notion that might doom your business to just let a bunch of music lovers follow their hearts. Um, you know, of course, we consult data and all of that, and we make informed choices, but most of it is just that. And I'm glad to hear you say that, because it's nice that that latitude has right. led to guys like you in the business going, no, this works. This can work. Imagine playing music you think listeners might like. Imagine yeah. that concept. <laughs> and imagine playing music that um, that you like and, you know. That's not to say 100% of the music that's on WFUV. If you ever walked into my living room on a Friday, on a Saturday night, you'd hear, you know, it doesn't mean I love everything. Right. But I really don't hate a lot of what we play on FUV, and that says a lot for a programmer. That's a, you know, I'm a lucky girl. Right. It's pretty much the takeaway on that. You know, it's a, it's a rare, it's, it's a rare place in the, in the, uh, in the radio world these days. We'll get into all that, your background, uh, Rita. Uh, also uh, also someone very important here, Kevin Rutherford, our uh, Billboard Rock Chart Manager, uh, joining us on the podcast as well. Yeah, significantly less important than I think everybody else in this room. But, uh, <laughs> I appreciate it, yeah. The, the, the most humble. Uh, we'll go with that. I, I'm really excited to be here because I know um, I don't own a car. I used to own a car back when I lived in Ohio. But uh, when I do have a car and uh, I'm driving in the area, I know FAUV is like one of my favorite stations to listen to because just such a great variety and uh so i know when we drove up to maine about two months ago we listened to it as long as we could until the until the station went out we're like oh well you didn't turn around kevin (laughs) no i kept going but uh man i would have loved to keep listening there was some good stuff maine is that pretty you had to keep going (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely well, Kevin, you uh, actually wrote about Rita. Uh, Billboard just uh, honored yes. you, Rita. I'm going to embarrass you again now. But you were just named one of our top rock programmers. Kevin, you guys uh, spoke about that, right? That's right. Yeah, that was a couple weeks ago. And uh, we uh, did, I think, it was a top 20, 25, something like that, of uh, basically programmers we think are really shaping rock radio right now um, as a whole. And uh, Rita was obviously someone who came up very early on in the discussion um, and uh, – obviously made the cut and we were really excited about it i think it ended up being a pretty pretty awesome um profile for sure uh the whole piece was interesting uh really thank you again guys i was just really honored to to be included there um and love the fact that wfuv is identified as a rock station i think that's so um so right on and so important to like kind of you know what we are what we are all about but it was also interesting to see what other stations around the country 
are doing, and there's a lot of great work happening right now, I think, in radio on the um, alternative indie, not just public radio, there are plenty of adventurous commercial stations, too. So your piece really did shine a light on that. Well, uh, we'll get into that. I, I want to ask just your your take on the state of rock uh, radio nowadays and, and so many other things. But uh, one thing I've always wondered, I was a music director in radio before I, I came to Billboard. I've never been a program director of a professional state uh, station. I, I honestly don't know what a program director does. I, I know a music director schedules the music. There's more of a set schedule. To tell me, tell everyone, Rita, what, what is the job of a program director nowadays? It's um it's interesting. In the case of WFUV and my gig, it is kind of a three-headed monster of programming, uh, leadership, and uh, fundraising. And I think for a lot of uh, PDs and MDs uh, around the country, at on the commercial end, you know, very involved in NTR stuff. On the non-com end, very involved in events, connecting with members. Uh, working with major donors, creating experiences and opportunities for people to become supporters of the station, whether that's five bucks a month or whether that's an annual gift of ten or twenty thousand. So I think when I first got into the work at WFUV twenty two years ago, uh-huh. I had no idea at the time that three headed monster that lied ahead. Um, always knew that music would be a part of it, always knew that talent and uh, creative leadership would be a part of it, but the fundraising membership part of it has become vital to our survival. What uh, percentage would you say is is getting to listen to music, doing the real hands-on radio side of things? What part of it is uh, on those elements, uh, fundraising, uh, uh, managing uh, the, 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 your staff, and, and just the management side? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is a kind of a three-headed equal uh, monster. I mean, I am a lucky girl. I have a great team, including Russ Boris, our music director. Russ has uh, endless appetite to uh, check out new music and does a great job of being our key filter. Our AMD, Carmel Holt, who also does Middays at FUV, another person, big ears, endless appetite, really does a great job of filtering. Because... I still fancy myself a DJ, <laughs> and I kind of love that part yeah. of it, love doing shows and stuff. I do listen to a lot of music, you know, weekly. I'm combing through, uh, but uh, really rely on Russ and Carmel to be that first filter. And I think what makes us a good team is that we all have particular directions that we like to go in and then bring those to the fold. And I think that's what adds up to this sort of eclectic nature of, um, of FUV's uh, mix. But, um, yeah, I would say it's a, it's a three-headed monster kind of divided up, divided up into thirds. Has it changed a lot in the social media era? Uh, I, I know you tweet a lot. Is it uh, a whole different world than what it was maybe uh, even 10 years ago? You know, I hate to say it, but I think like tweeting and all, all the social media stuff, it comes very natural to me. Yeah. So people say, how do you have time for that? Or people say, I don't have time for Twitter. I don't have time for Instagram, you know, and I'm always like, well, how do you not have time? You know, to me, it doesn't take time. It's just kind of like another opportunity to share what's going on in my life with the world. <laughs> Clearly something I love or, you know, it's a little bit of that, too, I think. But um I mean, it does take time, right? all kidding aside. But for me, somehow, there's something about Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. It just comes naturally, and it's like if I'm out and about, you know, and it all comes down to the little device, rectangular device that we all walk around with in our palms, you could just make anything happen, you know? So it's like I'll be tweeting about us doing this. You know, right. it's just like it's become as natural. And I think for the people who, um, you know, in the social media world, I think the ones who – feel that way about it are the ones who are probably doing it the most and then the people who are like I don't have time for that or I'm so busy I don't have time for Instagram you know then it becomes more of a bear for them but I kind of I kind of like it it sort of goes along with just the whole mindset of public radio and a station like WFUV for I always feel like when I listen to FUV it, it's such a personal connection with the listeners that you you don't really get I think on other formats it really sounds like the DJ is speaking to me more than maybe any other format. Is that sort of a hallmark of, of the station or of the overall sound of, of a public AAA station? 
You know, I think um, I think that's about the nicest compliment you could make. You oh. know, we really appreciate that because we do kind of you know we do pride ourselves on that, and I think there are probably people in the business who think. You could just voice track. You don't have to do that. Back right. sell, front sell. Give me a forward promote. Nobody cares what the DJ thinks, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I grew up in New York. I'm a lifelong New Yorker. Uh, well, most cities, anyone who grew up in the, you know, 70s or 80s, you know, and commercial radio. I mean, even even beyond that, even, you know, D- DJs always meant something to people. And right. I think... When we all look back on our past, our childhood, whatever, you know, wherever you grew up, you had your, you know, your cousin Brucey, your Oedipus, whoever, you know, whoever it was in, uh, uh, you know, in your city who meant something to you. So I think in New York, that progressive rock radio loomed large uh, for me growing up here, you know, so like Scott Muni, Vin Skelsa, right. P- Allison Steele, Pete Fornatel. Dennis Elsis. I mean, these are like, these are like the Mount Rushmore of the business, and I think, you know, Scott. I mean, Muni. You know, everybody. Ken Dashow, Meg, Carol Miller. Right. You know, the list goes on. Um, to to have had that, you know, growing up and stuff, obviously really informed me. But I think at WFUV, it's also just a part of our DNA kind of keeping that kind of progressive rock radio alive because WNEW no longer exists right. um, in New York. And, um, you know, Dennis does afternoons on FUV and, you know, Meg worked at FUV for a time as did Pete Fornatel and um, until he passed and Vince Skelsa just retired. So, like, to be able to actually work with these guys, too, and ha- bring them into the WFUV fold, it was kind of an interesting place where... Commercial radio guys wanted to play in the non-commercial world, and the non-commercial radio guys wanted to learn from the commercial radio guys. Right. And I think it was a it was a winning combination for WFUV, and I think for a lot of non-com stations as we've developed, you know, just all the non-com stations around the country developed our sound. A lot of it has had to do with learning from commercial radio, you know, because there's a lot to learn there as a programmer and you know, how to manage DJs and manage talent and stuff, but then to play by that different rule book and to put those two things together. I'm glad Kevin is here because we can do an interesting experiment here. Kevin, you're you're in your mid-20s, right? That's correct, yes. You said, uh, when do you listen to radio, really? You said it was when you're in your car, right? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. And and uh, now you don't have a car. That's right, yeah, yeah. You know, when I lived in the the Midwest, obviously I had a car. That's how you get around. And I lived in the country, so... Um, but I was still the type of person who did listen to radio even, you know, three years ago, whereas a lot of people I knew had moved on to, you know, they started putting their iPod on shuffle and just right. plugging that into the, the radio, the console, however you do it. And that's how they did it. I know my younger brother did that uh, sometimes. I don't know if he listened to radio all the time, did not, whatever. But, like, he would do that sort of thing. And I knew other people who did the same thing. But I was always, like, really interested in radio and, you know, the discovery and that sort of thing. So I would always do that. And I always still try to whenever I do, like, rent a car for whatever reason. So that's, like, kind of one of my favorite things about renting a car whenever I'm going anywhere. Even if I'm just going out to, like, Long Island for, or something, I'm just driving out there. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get to listen to the radio today. This is fun. This is awesome, you know. But, yeah, so I'm, like, one of those weird ones that still, I think, enjoys it. All right, you're one of the, you're one of the good younger radio I listeners. I suppose, yeah. Right. Look, look at me go. Yeah. But, Rita, do you come across that with younger listeners haven't necessarily – grown up with radio and what's your take on on how are you going to keep younger generations interested in radio i'll tell you man when you open your eyes it's scary yeah i mean it's enough to scare someone like me when you realize that like like for example do you even have a radio in your house anywhere no. beyond your phone no not at all yeah. if i, had why, to, if I why listen, would you yeah if i want to listen to radio i'd pretty much have to do it on the computer you know right that's for, for me at least and i think right. a lot of people my age are the same way yeah it's used to have like a clock. At least people would have a clock radio. Well, right. that's changed. No, no one's going to like Best Buy. Oh, let's look at the clock radios they have right now. <laughs> right. You know, so like I think the hardware has kind of like left. You know, that's not a factor anymore. Right. Now, of course, you can listen to FUV and many things just on your phone. You know, you get the TuneIn app or you use our app or whatever. But it's still not the same, right, as having a clock radio next to your bed or whatever. So I think, you know, it's... Um, it's a scary time, you know, for radio. I, I, you know, on the public radio end, 
you know, our audience tends, leans towards early adopters, more tech savvy. So, you know, that is works in our favor, I think. But, you know, if we're looking a couple of years down the road when radio, terrestrial radio, as the satellite guys like to call us, <laughs> we just like to call it radio. Um, if, if radio isn't in cars anymore, even, right? We're already moving to a place where CDs aren't in cars. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, there's a lot of change ahead. The ground beneath us is definitely, definitely moving. There's still so much infrastructure with uh, the towers, though, and the, the financial aspects of that. Maybe we're just headed towards a, a, a time where it's that and radio is just another option among uh, streaming uh, choices. Maybe it's just going to be some combination at this point. That's what you hope. And, you know, the thing, content is king. You know, if you're doing good stuff, people find a way to do it. You kind of have to be platform agnostic, you know, is what the consultants tell us these days, you know. And I believe in all of that, uh, completely believe in all of that. Yeah, so it's, um, you know, it's an interesting time because when you talk about, you know, uh, millennials or people in their 30s, who you look at FUV on paper and you're like, all right, you're a 28-year-old. You would dig this. You would dig what FUV is all about. How are we possibly going to find these 28-year-olds? I mean, now it's a marketing challenge. Right. Now, try marketing something in New York. Good luck. You know, like how do you rise above the noise? How do you get, you know, it's not like we're in whatever, Pittsburgh. Where you go, oh, let's buy a billboard right. on the highway. Hey, listen to us. We play cool stuff. Great, you know, we can't afford that in New York. I mean, it's the the you know the economy gets crazy, so I think um, yeah, looking down the road, I, I get I get a little I get a little worried sometimes. Same thing with uh, asking for uh, listener donations. That's what drives uh, public radio. Is that tougher than ever, uh, economy wise? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it kind of comes and goes, and we are very aggressive about finding the best ways to go about it. We make use of a lot of tools. We enter uh, things with solid strategy. Um, But even with all of that, (laughs) it's become a lot harder to get people um, to support radio. Uh, And there's also a hand-in-hand relationship. As the audience gets younger, it is harder to raise funds. Right. Um, Just because of the mindset of paying for music and what, um, you know, just even the Napster generation did to that right. for CDs or any, you know, just music in general. Now here comes public radio going, oh, wait, you love us? You should pay for it. You pay whatever you want, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever. Well, this is a foreign concept to somebody in their 20s, and it's almost, um, I don't know, like a, la- la- a good laugh. Like, right. wait a minute, why would I do that, you yeah. know? So then you try to present yourself as a service. Hey, this is a service. If you like this service, please pay for it. Um, and then there's some more success to be had there. But fundraising, you know, fundraising is tough, uh, tough business on the air right now. We are lucky, you know, we have major donors and stuff, but the bulk of our support, the bulk of our funding still comes from rank-and-file listeners giving us, you know, 10, 20 bucks a month. And there's also a lot of exclusives people can get if they're a member. It's not just like they're paying to listen. There are uh, concerts that happen at the station, uh, different events. So that comes down to exclusivity. That's a reason to pay that you can't just get that uh, streaming music. That's true. And I think like um, sat, like new, savvy New York music lovers have like kind of figured out like, whoa, if I support FUV, like we have this program called Marquee Membership, and it's $1,200 a year. That's $100 a month. But you'll get invited to private shows and live tapings that we do across the year. Well, if you're a savvy music lover and you're paying a hundred bucks a month, which is a nice chunk of change, right. that you know, and um, um, but in return for that, you're going to see Lucinda Williams at Rockwood or Jose Gonzalez at Rockwood or Brett Denon at McKittrick or this sort of these sort of exclusive events. I think some savvy music lovers have been like, wait a minute. This is actually a very good deal, <laughs> you know, once you do the math. And so many people come through New York that that really works to your advantage that you can have all these guests and have people meet them. Yeah, and we've really turned that into, um, 
you know, we've also turned it into a content opportunity. So when we do these, it's taping and we'll do video and post the video and turn it into a live broadcast and stuff. But the only way to be in the audience is to be, you know, one of our donors. So that's... um, that, that's been a lot of fun for me to grow that program and that membership level, and it's one of our most successful membership levels, and it's a fairly high level, but we're making a lot of people happy with it. talked about uh, liking uh, rock radio growing up. How'd you actually get into the profession of uh, being on the radio? Um, kind of, you know, like a lot of things, you know, luck and passion kind of collided, <laughs> fortunately. Luck, passion, and, you know, the ability to work for seven bucks an hour for a while. You know, I had a few uh, guardian angels who helped facilitate that and also just, you know, waited more tables than I ever care to uh, care to mention and more overnight shifts and stuff. But um, Where'd you work? Uh, radio before? Uh, mo- uh, it was all commercial radio before I got to WFUV. My first job was at WVIP in Mount Kisco, which was a CHR AM-FM combo owned by this guy named Martin Stone who uh, made, his, uh, made his wealth in um, he had the licensing uh, to Howdy Doody Oh. You know that character, Howdy Doody? Right. <laughs> um, and he had he bought, essentially, the local hometown radio station in Mount Kisco, New York, up in Upper Westchester. And that was my first job, and I worked there. Um, I started, I was uh, 6 to midnight on the air. Uh, was the Howdy Doody theme in heavy rotation? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> but I was on the FM, which was straight up CHR. You know, we're playing new shoes. I can't wait. <laughs> do, 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 you know, and... Uh, uh, Philip Bailey and uh, Phil Collins, she's an E, you know, it was like straight up that stuff. Rita Houston sings pop hits of the 80s, <laughs> yes, only exactly. here on the podcast. Fantastic. Yeah, she's an easy lover, you know, so that was uh, that was that form. And then on the AM station, which was adjacent, you know, in the building, you know, it'd be like, there's a lost dog on Route 117, please, you know, it was real homegrown radio. Right. So I got my, uh, found my sea legs there. We had um, Tom Fursey was the um, music director at the time ah, and did Middays. Right. And, of course, he is a wonderful DJ who works now on uh, HUD. Right. Great guy. Uh, he was always super sweet to me. Uh, and But I was making, I don't know, I think it was 7 bucks an hour. I was a courier during the day, and I worked 6 to midnight, and I finally hit the wall. I just couldn't ma- manage it any longer. So I heard about this vacation. I loved being on the air and hitting the post. You know, that was all about that then. Um uh, and I heard about these jobs at ABC um, Radio Network, uh, where you could get hired as a vacation relief uh, engineer. Oh, okay, right. Those NABET gigs back in the days of unions and NABET in the broadcasting world. And so I applied through ABC, and I guess I was 27 years old, and I got hired. So I was going to leave WVIP and my $7 an hour for a legit salary, benefits, the whole nine yards. And although it was vacation relief, it was just going to be a three- or four-month thing. I thought, oh, I'll get my find my way in there, and maybe something – I'll see what else happens. But this $7 an hour thing is just not sustainable, and I'm going to give up this dream of, you know, doing the radio or whatever. So I get to ABC, and I'm an engineer, studio engineer, learned how to cut tape, carried Nagras, went on the Dukakis campaign trail. Uh, I mean, you know, it did some cool stuff, you right? know. Uh, oh, but very quick funny story. The day I was leaving WVIP, I went on the air and said, today's my last day. And all the phones lit up, you know, because we had the phone right, with all the buttons, you know, <laughs> and all 10 lines were like flashing. I'd never <laughs> seen so many. So I picked it up and it was emotional, you know, because I didn't want to do this. Yeah. I just financially had to and needed to like be a grown up and, you know, and um, and one of the calls was from Al Roker, huh. who uh, he and his wife lived up that way, like oh, in Bedford right. Hills or yeah. whatever. And he said, listen, this is Al Roker. And, you know, he was like, <laughs> this is Al Roker. Like, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it is Al Roker. You know? like, and this is 20, you know, this even close to 30 years ago. And, uh, and he said, um, I don't know what your story is or what you're doing, but you have something special. And I'm really sorry to hear that you're leaving. Oh, wow. 
And I was like, oh, my gosh, like I couldn't believe it, you know. And I said, well, well, you know, finances got tough, whatever. And he said, well, you know, I hope you surface again because, you know, you have something special to say, you know. And I was like, oh, you know, on to the next thing. And But those words stayed with me. Right. And I went to ABC and I ended up getting hired full time at ABC. And, you know, those were great gigs. I mean, I had terrible hours. I, my hours were 1 a.m. to 9 a.m., or 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. And I was off on like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I mean, it was horrible, but it was not like even a no, Not even a normal uh, overnight. Just not like even half, a normal, yeah. Days. Yeah, you, you don't know when to sleep. <laughs> and, you know, but it was working in a sleep. newsroom and it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. But I was like, oh, I hate this, man. I got to get out. So when- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. They busted the union, Cap Cities. Um, when the union got busted, we got buyouts to leave. So I was like first in line. I was like, yeah, I'll take this. So basically kind of worked into, um, you know, the buyout allowed me to now get back into radio, go back to working for $7 an hour. <laughs> and uh, uh, bless uh, Paul Cavalcante, who was the one to hire me uh, at W, at the time it was WZFM, also in Westchester. Okay. That was the old R&W. WRNW or Howard Stern and right. Mike Griffin and one of the original progressive 1071 progressive stations uh, was R&W, then it became ZFM. So I started working there. Did overnights, kicked around for a long time, did remotes, plumbing supply houses on Saturdays, car dealerships. I mean, that was what I did, but I was determined. And then I started waiting tables, and I was determined to stay in radio well, at that point. One thing that's kind of lucky, you don't hear this from everyone in radio, you at least got to stay in the area where you grew up and lived. You didn't have to go all around the country. Hmm. I'm so lucky in that way because yeah. I'm a New Yorker and I, I never, you know, I, I, I slugged it out in the suburbs and didn't, um, never had to leave New York. Right. And then did you get to FUV? Right I pretty that? much got to FUV from there. So then I became the, um, I became a host at um, ZFM and then we became WXPS uh, for a time. And it was owned by a couple, uh, Bobby and Bobby and Barry Lewis. They lived in Rockland County. I was just like, yeah, remember when people just owned little radio stations, you know? And that's what it was. And um, and they sold to Mike Kakianis and friends. Uh, and then Kakianis came in with um, with Steve Blatter uh, doing the programming, and now XPS was going to become X107. Right. And they proceeded to come in, do the whole bloodshed on the walls, fired everybody, bring me into the office, and I think I'm getting fired because everybody... You know, the morning show got fired, you know, right through the day. I did um, nights. So I'm like, okay. And, like, the local newspaper had just named me Best DJ or whatever. And and I walk into the office there with the new new boss, you know, meet the new boss. And on his desk is the copy of that newspaper. So I'm like, oh, sweet. I might be okay. Maybe I'm not going to get fired. He sees that. <laughs> That people voted me best DJ. <laughs> you know, and on one hand, I'm like devastated that my friends are right. blown out. But, you know, you get in that crazy survival mode. I'm like, hmm, maybe I won't get fired. So I sit down and I'm very nervous. Um, and and he said, oh, you know, they said, oh, look at this newspaper. I said, oh, I'm glad you guys saw that feeling. You know, my feathers are getting puffy, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you guys saw that. He takes it, he rolls it up in a ball, throws it in the trash. <gasps> oh, my God. He goes, our next question for you, do you want to live in the past and points to the trash can? Or do you want to move to the future with us? The choice is yours. I was like, 
Whoa. Um, I, I, I'd like to move into the future, yes. <laughs> you know. So I ended up staying there for a bit, but I hated every minute of it. Uh, I changed my name to Harley Fox. That's when I was Harley Fox and all the DJs. Uh, we were like the Gen X station. I mean, it was. Did you pick that name or did someone pick it for I you? I picked it. And I said, all lowercase. I did afternoon drive. I was on three to eight. I had like the after school special. It was an indie rock station. All these like 12 year olds would listen, you know, call on the phone. Hey, Harley, what's up? <laughs> what's up, Dylan? You know, what's up, Brett? You know, like all the kids in the suburbs. You know, I had a little yeah. following. It was fun. You know, we were playing straight up, you know. Indie hits, you know, it was Nirvana, it was Pearl Jam, it was Stone Temple Pilots, it was U2. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it was an amazing time in music, yeah, too. absolutely. Um, but, uh, but I didn't want to be there, you know, and I didn't want to be Harley Fox, that's for sure. But it was great because, you know, as a talent, I learned a lot through that process of being something else and how to, like, present no matter what. Right. And that it's not always about what you love. It's about, you know... But as soon as, you know, my eyes were open the whole time, and as soon as I saw an opening at FUV, uh, then I went. I got hired at FUV as middays. Oh, okay. And you've been there 22 years now. Yeah, yeah so that was 22 years ago. Since since Harley Fox. It's been <laughs> 22 years since, since we last heard yeah. from her. It was funny. My mom was like, why would they make you do that? I go, Mom, I, it's even too... How do you explain that one to your mom? Mm-hmm. Mom, I'm now on the radio, but I say my name is Harley Fox, you know. Yeah. So that had to feel so good. You go to FUV and you're back in that mental space of of the adult alternative, which sounds like is really more your your calling personally. You know, definitely. And it was like, that was an amazing time too. It's Sean Colvin, it's Mm. Patty Griffin, it's Gillian, it's Lucinda. I mean, it was like, whoa. And Richard Thompson, Counting Crows. I mean, this was the music that I was, um, you know, that I was really – into and listening to and when I landed at WFUV it was like wow you know we could play this stuff right and that was yeah 22 years ago so I started middays and a few years later I did became MD when Liz Apoka left Liz Apoka was great uh, uh, music director at FUV um, and she left to go to the label side so then I became MD um, so then I was middays and MD, and then I hit that wall of burnout. So then I just became, I took myself off the air, just became music director. And so I pretty much, I've been off the air full time since then. Okay. And then I went from MD to PD when we had a shift at the station. Our general manager retired, so Chuck became GM, and I moved into PD. Okay. secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. I feel like you have probably interviewed a lot of people, a lot of rock stars, a lot of people in the business over the years. Your Rolodex, if that still exists, whether it's <laughs> digital or not, that, that must be uh, one of the more impressive ones uh, in the industry. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um it's great. Again, it's like one of those things at FUV where we have the latitude to like talk to people, bring artists in, talk to them about what they're into, what inspired their music, what inspires them, more long-form conversations. It's really a thing of the past. I mean, right. that used to be on the radio a lot. Um, of course, you know, consultants, PPM, you know, there's a million reasons why a lot of people will tell you, and there's some validity to what they say. That's a really bad idea. <laughs> Don't put an artist on to, for 20 minutes to talk about themselves and play, you know, music. I think we, we do a good job of it at FUV. Um, you know, we all, we all have a hand in hosting the interviews. Um, I have, you know, I've done some of the best. Uh, uh, the quick answer to who's the best, who's the worst. Worst, Chrissy Hind, nightmare really? for me. Worst day of my life in the radio biz. Um, I don't know what her issue was. I mean, I saw the Pretenders in '78 at um, what's the name of that club in Portchester? It just flew out of my head. Detroit Club, okay. Detroit. I was a huge fan. I, maybe I just rubbed her the wrong way or whatever. Disaster interview. What did you ask her, Rita? What, I, what did, what did you well, no, say? I don't even know. I don't even know. It was just a mess, man. She hated me, and I was like, 
come on, let's just be professional. Get the job done. You can wow. go on your way, you know. Have so, you met her other times? Or that, no. No, that was it. No. Never held a grudge. Or like we, Of course, we still play pretenders and whatever. <laughs> I don't know that I'd jump in feet first to interview her again. It was just like silly, like abusive almost. She was like mean to the staff and stuff. Like she was just mean. Maybe wow. she's having a bad day. I don't know. But it was like the that doesn't happen like a lot in our world. That was the worst. Best one. <sighs> lot. Um, but I'll say Leonard Cohen. Yeah. When uh, Lisa Sonkin at uh, Columbia right. asked if I would host this Leonard Cohen listening party at Joe's Pub, uh, was that two or three years ago? And that was just amazing, just to sit next to him and talk to him, you know. And, you know, just to be in the presence of artists as somebody who has never written a song. <laughs> Can't play a single note of anything. You can sing. You, you, I can you, sing. I'm a big. That. I'm a big karaoke fan. <laughs> but um, it's amazing that I get to talk to all these artists without having a lick of actual talent. <laughs> I think. Um, I think when we emailed back and forth sometime in the past couple months, you were talking to Paul Simon that day. That's right. Um, what'd you think of the new album? Because that's a out here very very a uh, couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the new album. It's such a cool combination of. Um, I'm going to reference my sister, Debbie, because my sister and I have very different taste in music. Like, she loves Barry Manilow is like her number one. And she's great taste in music, but it's like we're just totally opposites musically. But like the Paul Simon record, just like, as a casual listen, you could throw that on, blast it in your car and be like, this is an awesome Paul Simon record. This is. <laughs> and then if you're me who like dives in and has to have headphones on and listen to all the, it's an incredible album. It is so rewarding. Um, you know, I got to interview him. We played it on FUV. I mean, he really spoke about what inspired him and stuff. And when you hear some of the stories behind it, it's so, you know, he thought so. So I think it's a fantastic record, but really does walk that line between like, yeah, it's a great Paul Simon record, but it's deep. It's, you know, it's really deep. Absolutely. I think uh, I've listened about three times now. I think every time I discover something new, especially in the instrumentation, that's yeah, really cool. Really cool to hear. Kevin is our resident uh, Paul Simon fan because you've and, been well, right. you've been talking about Disturbed's cover of uh, Sound of Silence <laughs> yes. this year. That's been your your, your that's, song that's been my year, beat Kevin. this year. Yeah, I keep bringing it up in meetings. Just like, hey guys, this is still going up the charts, and now it's getting. I'll get people um, from back home like texting me like, "Why am I hearing Disturbed on pop radio right now?" And I'm like, uh, you know, just a just a weird year. It's just a weird well, it's a year. great song that translates. Yeah. To any any cover, including that one, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I think that's right, and it is so. That is so cool. And Paul Simon like was the one to post it on his site. Like mm-hmm. he loved it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which is pretty cool because you, you you never know. Just disturbed. I think you know a lot of mainstream rock artists get a lot of catch a lot of flack, especially some of the older ones. You know, it seems like oh man, they're they're pretty uncool or whatever. So I think uh, when you saw Paul Simon give the the nod of approval, it's like all right, you know. Look at them. They, 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 got, they got Paul on board. Not bad. You, know? <laughs> you obviously wouldn't play that, Rita, on FUV. You know, right? I'm like sitting here thinking, going, no. I'm like thinking, like, gosh, why haven't we given that a spin or two? Yeah. You know? It totally makes sense. Well, it gets pretty loud at the end, I guess. Yeah, that but it's... Uh, be the reason? There, yeah. There, no, I mean, I think, I, I think um, that's the, the kind of thing that should get a couple of curiosity spins, okay. you know? Look at that. Kevin, uh, hey, just, uh, gotten why disturbed not? on FUV. I'll, I'll check it out, see if, see if I hear it, yeah. <laughs> your mission. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> your mission continues, and you're starting to get some results here, right? Here we are. <laughs> but that that's what's fun about AAA, and, and probably, I guess, at the same time, the challenge. It's one of the least defined formats. If you're working in Top 40, you pretty much know you're playing Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber. AAA, uh, which is FUV, uh, adult alternative, can almost be anything you or the listeners think it is. Mm. Yeah, when you look at stations around the country, our currents and our golds are so different. Right. Mm. And I totally agree. It is a big challenge for the format moving forward, but it's also our greatest strength, right? Well, how do you negotiate that? What do you do with that? You don't want to mess it up and be like, no, guys. And we all, you know, all of us around the country consult um, uh, the charts and BDS and stuff and make our choices kind of in unison, you know, and for the most part, we'll play singles, you know, um, of labels. But beyond that, it can go, you know, in so many directions and with each station having its own stripe. And that will probably ultimately be the factor that saves us all. 
Yeah, I have wondered that, actually, because it's a lot of people I talk to my age who do still listen to radio, a lot of what they're listening to is AAA radio. And I think part of that might be because, you know, wherever you go, no matter what the, even let's say, the, like you were saying, the Top 40 station, you know it's probably going to be a lot of the same artists. But wherever you are, whether you're here, whether you're back in, you know, Yellow Springs, Ohio, wherever you are, whatever the AAA station is playing, it might be totally different than what you're hearing over here or over there, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool because I feel like you get more of a music discovery aspect, too. You get music discovery and you also get the regionalism that mm-hmm. is so missing, not right. just from radio, but just our culture, you know, in general, you know, between whatever, fast food and restoration hardware and Abercrombie. You know what I mean? It's like everything, mm-hmm. everybody is everything, you know? Yeah, for sure. Does uh, is there any difference when it comes to new music discovery, which is actually uh, the motto of WFUV and other uh, stations in the format? Is it more exciting to break a brand new artist, or do you still get a big thrill out of playing new music by someone like Paul Simon, who's been around for fifty years, or just two different kinds of uh, great things that you love? New music is new music. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think I think it is a it is an equal thing. But I'm especially proud of the work that we do at WFUV to keep the lights on for the greats, you know, because yeah. mm-hmm. I can't help but think when we're looking at 50 years from now, you know, it's Van Morrison, it's Bob Dylan, it's Elvis Costello, it's Joni, it's, you know, it's Bonnie, it's, you know, and the fact that for whatever reason, ageism, I, you know, I don't even know what the reasons are that people wouldn't. You know, I mean, even like a light FM, you know, like, why wouldn't light FM play wristband? Right. You know what I mean? Like you go, oh, paper. Yeah. Hey, it's tempo. It's Paul Simon. You're going to play Cecilia in, you know, 20 minutes. It's it's tougher. Elton John at this point to have uh, a mainstream adult contemporary hit. And that's not even someone like Paul Simon, who hasn't had a, a mainstream hit in years. It's uh, I think ageism is part of it. Also, top 40. An AC and adult top forty are all kind of the same format. It's it's all gotten younger. It's all just become one, mm-hmm. one big mix. Yeah, I think that's part like, of it. Like, what would happen if Light FM played wristband? Like, would young people be like, "Oh my God, this is terrible"? Or you know what I mean? Like, you just think like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, not to single out Light no, FM, but you know what I mean. I, just, I, I think part of it is is the right song. I know in the nineties, you could you know Eric Clapton could all of a sudden he sort of went right. AC right. all of a sudden mm-hmm. after. After many years, I, pop music has just gotten younger overall, mm-hmm. and I think adult Definitely. radio has, has just followed that. So yeah. I, I think it's a tougher time for veteran artists to have hits at, at any level. That's why I love seeing how uh, Paul Simon, Mudcrutch, Tom Petty are, are on the charts. I'm like, these are acts we grew up with. You feel that personal connection. So I like how, I like how you said you're, you leave the light on for these yeah. acts. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like, you know, you think about, I don't, you know, you hate to use the museum word, but, you know, you think about the great, you know, where the great works of art hang, you know, well, what's the music version of that? You know, where do, where do, you know, I'm sitting here in the room staring at Otis Redding, you know, it's like, okay, guess what? Guy did more than one song, you know, or James Brown or whatever, you know, a lot of the vintage soul too, Um, you know, with the oldies station, oldies stations, you know, there's a bit of history being rewritten there where, like, the, you know, the world began in 1981, and you're like, actually, there was this decade called the 60s. <laughs> there was some good music made then. You know, but most oldie stations, again, in the effort to swing younger, you know, have pushed up their clocks, you know. And we still have a 60s and 70s category at FUV. I mean, we don't play five tracks an hour, that's right. for sure. But, you know, I think that stuff's important. And I think it's I, what I also like about it is like you know you'll see at the year end lists for instance for albums you know a place like Rolling Stone or even like other other uh, major publications will be like you know touting this Bob Dylan album or this Paul Simon or, or whatever, but then you're like okay well is this getting played on the radio anywhere? And the answer is oftentimes it's like AAA, and right. you're like cool at least you know I can go somewhere I know I can go somewhere and actually hear these songs that people are talking about as like oh yeah no these are like some of the best songs of the year best albums of the year and you're like. Okay, well, who's playing them? You go there, and it's cool. And you also get to hear, like, right now, like, the Stone Roses are back. And, like, you get to hear the Stone Roses. Just like, that's Primal awesome. Scream is back. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like... It's so cool. It's, it's, it's good to see because, um, yeah, I think AAA definitely has, like, the highest range of, like, youngest to oldest. Just, like, such a multi-decade, you know, 
and that's really cool to see you know coming from me you know looking at playlists every week because you know you can get kind of caught i think in like oh yeah you know these these band of guys are all you know in their 20s whatever you know it's like the whole chart but or like looking at triple a and then i'm like oh yeah i got paul simon there but i also got like you know someone a lot younger you know I can't like think of it. Margaret Glaspie. Yeah, Margaret, that's a great example because that song's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, so that that's a great example as well for sure. So, and exciting. it's where uh, Adele has crossed over. Mm-hmm. Adele started at AAA. Mumford and Sons, all these acts that are so mainstream. Nora Jones, going back to, to earlier uh, years, uh, that uh, when you were uh, uh, when she was starting, it, it, what a legacy that uh, the format has for crossing over artists. And yeah. I think that's important too. And in order to do that, right, you have to take chances. You have to take risk. And mostly on the non-com, and we are more easily positioned to take risk based on the context that we could surround around things. And based on the fact that we're using a listener-supported model. And so our listeners want to see us take risks. And then our hard work is to continue to find enough listeners who feel that way, you know, to keep, to, to keep it sustained. But um, taking, you know, taking risks is important. I mean, I remember when I first heard um, Mumford, you know, I was one of the first, you know, we were one of the first people to play Mumford in, in New York and like Little Lion Man. And I was like, guys really like this isn't gonna get on the radio what are you thinking (laughs) you know and then after the second or third time i heard it i said oh no this is gonna be all over the radio because it's different it doesn't sound like everything else it's special it cuts through all the noise all the whatever the noise of the time was you know and um you know right now like things i'm excited about like this new um chance the rapper record Talking about things that are special and different are going to cut through, you know. Chance the Rapper on FUV. Wait till you, wait till you hear mm-hmm. that, Gary. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Totally Dis- right. Totally right. Yes. Disturbed, Chance the Rapper. <laughs> are you sure this is the right thing? I mean, there, there's the even right like the, there was a DJ Shadow song uh, with Run the Jewels that was getting played on some AAA stations, too. It's like, oh, Run the Jewels on AAA radio. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. It's like exciting. And but it, like you said, that's the stuff that's cutting through and that's it's different and it's exciting and that's why I love to hear is when I'm like, you know, driving down the road or whatever and I hear something like that pop up. I'm like, oh man, I wasn't expecting that. Awesome. You know, I played that run the jewels DJ shadow um, tune a few times. Um, like on my show on Friday night, that's another thing about FUV, like the, having the specialty shows gives us another added place whole, to whole take risks. On Friday night, yeah, my thing's host, whole, whole right? wide world. And we could take even more chances with some of our specialty shows. Paul Cavalcante's Cavalcade. Russ has the alternate side, you know. So that gives us another chance to take risks. But one thing I was going to say about your comment, um, Kevin, about the multi-decade thing was like, I think radio, radio or you know, a lot of media entertainment used to be programmed like based on demographics and the age of people. And I think like the whole um, Napster thing changed all of that because anyone in their 20s or 30s uh, or anyone cool or whatever, music lover in their 20s or 30s has had as much access to Otis Redding as somebody in their 60s, right. mm-hmm. you know, thanks to that. There was good stuff that came out of all of that stuff where music, you know, or a Sam Cooke or gosh, for that matter, Hendrix or, you know, or... Um, Joni Mitchell or whatever. So I think it's a very interesting time because it used to be like, oh, you're going to program your radio station. Well, choose your demographic and then just play music that they grew up listening to. And I think that whole rule book has gone out the window. And I think that smart AAA stations are the ones who have recognized that that rule book has gone out the window. You could be in your 30s and love Sam Cooke. And you could be in your 60s and love Yaysayer. It gets tricky to like kind of figure that out in the data <laughs> but I've got anecdotal proof that those people exist <laughs> and you guys have such a deeper playlist than most stations too so that's another advantage that uh, you're you're just breaking so much more new music than probably any other station on the dial here in New York yeah I'd say definitely um, here in New York you know we've got the peak in the suburbs to so keep a good eye on those guys and what they're playing you know and they take some chances and they play a lot of cool stuff you know I think, uh, you know, they have a little, like, once we put something in recurrent, they'll pull it up as a current. You know, hey, go for it, guys. They're like, well, FUV road tested this one for us. Now let's add Borns, you know. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's, you know, makes sense. Chris Herman's buddy. I mean, I you know, I, uh, you know, I, I get that. And, and, you know, all boats rise is my feeling there, you know. 
Um, you know, in, in my time at FUV, we've had a couple of commercial competitors roll through. You know, we had the RXP was in town for a bit. You know, and these things will these things will happen. You know, it's a it's a lucky position to not have a commercial competitor. Um, you know, right now, and you know, a band like the Strokes can drop a new song. We can own it on the radio in New York City. The only place you're going to hear new Beck or new music from the Strokes is FUV. Does it surprise you or make you sad that uh, rock radio is so much less in New York than how we used to have a WNEW, the old WNEW? Do you feel like New York is a rock town? There could be more rock radio going yeah. forward? I know you guys are happy to pretty much have it <laughs> to your own at this point, yeah. but in terms of uh, as mean, rock it's, music. No, it's weird. I mean, as a music fan and as somebody who grew up here, I, I, think, I think it's it's odd, you know? And you got the Q, you know? And, I mean, they do good stuff, but it's like, come on, guys. Like, you know, they don't even play, like, a single new thing. Like, what do you got to do to get, you know? Obviously, they're playing their, you know, they got their rule book that they're following. But it's like, all right, so you got Q104, you know, you get CBS FM, you know? But it's like, no, there isn't, you know? You just got a couple of suburban rock stations, you know, DHA in Jersey and the Peak and... and um, uh, what do you got in Long Island these days? Yeah, I mean, there isn't even anything in Long Island these days, you know. I mean, of course, I remember the old days of WLIR and, you know, DRE and stuff and right. what an impact they made for, for music and bands. And, you know, sometimes as I think about what I hope for FUV, you know, I hope that FUV can kind of have that impact that DRE and LIR had for a music scene. Well, part of it, too, is uh, AAA is in such a good uh, place right now with all these acts we're talking about crossing over. It's not quite the same with alternative and especially active rock. N- none of that is going mainstream at this point. So AAA is at least uh, maybe the closest uh, going from rock to mainstream at this point of all the rock formats. That's good for you guys. Yeah, that's a good observation. Um, that's a very good observation. I, I, I agree with that. You know, I hadn't really thought about it like that. Even like if you just look at like who's on SNL and Fallon and stuff, it's mm-hmm. like... Most of those are our people. Right. Margot you know? Price. Margot Price. Absolutely. I mean, that was incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, incredible. And that's a record that's almost like a little too country for FUV or whatever. But I was like, no, we're running with this, guys. We got to play this. <laughs> it's just too good. Absolutely. Have you spent any time with that album? Oh, cover to cover. Fantastic. It is amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. It might, it might be like one of the best records of the year. You know, it's, it's one cover. of mine right now, 100%. It's like. You know, and if you said to me, Rita, you like country music, I'd be like, yeah, Gillian Welch or whatever, Johnny Cat. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. definitely, I'm not afraid of twang or whatever, but, like, the success of that, listener response on that, Sturgill Simpson, Robert Ellis, mm-hmm. really been very solid, you know. I think there's a real listener appetite for that more organic country music, because mm-hmm. country, commercial country, has gotten so uh, poppy at this point. So I think people like uh, Sturgill Simpson, Chris Stapleton, they're finding that. Uh, in the Americana world, in the FUV world, so it's another another good good thing that you guys are sort of happening upon. That, that yeah, you guys, and it's like, nice to, to have the latitude too to go from like Yeasayer to Margot Price and stuff. And you know, listen, there's sometimes been driving around in my little Subaru like, are we just doing too much here? You know, are we trying to go too? You know, can you know a new song from The Strokes and a vintage Johnny Cash? You know, you know, I want to be a good programmer. I want to be a great programmer. You know, like, can this work? You know, because sometimes I'm in my car and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know, you know. <laughs> but um, you don't want to be too weird. You don't yeah. want to be too weird because, you know, how far can you push the how far can you push the spectrum? Right. You yeah. know, because you got your middle and then you got your edges. And, you know, the more the edges go, what happens to the middle and stuff? And these are the conversations we have every week at FUV with our, you know, with the whole um, programming team and stuff. And, yeah, I think it's important that we have those conversations and, and continue to think about it. And um, but it it is it is kind of remarkable that in New York City there is a station where you can hear the Strokes and Margot Price and Michael Kiwanuka and New Beck and you know old um, you know you hear something from the Supremes out of nowhere or Jackson Brown or New Bonnie Raitt I mean that was a record that and we just loved on FUV you know and so many like here come air quotes, young people <laughs> I talked to, you know, loved new, the new Bonnie Raid. Like, it was so great. And even artists, you know. And Oh, yeah, that was something else you triggered, uh, Kevin, when you mentioned before about the multi-deca- multi-decade thing. Like, I feel like most of the younger artists we play on FUV like the older artists mm-hmm. that we You know what I mean? So if you look at it from an artist's point of view, like, and the new Aaron Neville album, like, he has galactic 
is his backing band. How hip is that? Yeah, you know? absolutely. Aaron Neville's 75, but Galactic, you know, so it's like, you, you know, so in that way, too, you can see how this can all come together. Kevin, yeah, has all this music um, made you want to buy a car and, uh, and drive around <laughs> and listen oh, to man. radio and, only, and not go to yeah. Maine? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna keep it in my neighborhood. Uh, I'll, I'll get towed every week. But uh, it's it's actually kind of cool um, because not just you know is AAA sometimes crossing over to mainstream uh, top forty now, but I've noticed in the last couple months you know even like active rock is starting to play some of these bands like the like the record companies would trigger that like I, I thought about like oh yeah like I talked to um, Bill Weston at uh, WNMR in uh, Philadelphia for the same the rock radio programmers and he talked about the record company. He also talked about, uh, I think you pronounce it Kaleo. Right. Uh, they're, they're Icelandic and their album just came out uh, last Friday. And you know, that thing, you know, it can go triple a with, uh, all the p- pretty girls and, uh, way down we go. But then you flip it with the song, no good. That was on the vinyl soundtrack. And suddenly you've got yourself a active rock. Hit. Yeah, right. And it's, it's kind of cool to see, you know, some of these bands that are able to do both now, you know, red hot chili peppers, even, you know, it's number I think it's number one right now at um at triple a uh but it's also almost number one at uh, active rock you know so you're seeing more crossover there which is kind of cool you know and I, and I feel almost feel like it's not so much that it's active rock going into triple a it's more the opposite which is kind of cool to see but it also means like the lines are blurred even further yes, so indeed. you know yes indeed yeah, yeah. So I'm going to ask you guys a question before we, uh, uh, which is, what do you think radio, not me or FUV or whatever, but just in general, because you guys have a front row seat. What do you think radio is uh, missing the boat on these days? Like just in general, like what, what, what do you see as like the, the uh, areas for improvement? You know what I mean? Musically, you mean just as a medium yes. itself? I'll, I'll say it's... Um, Finding a way to reach younger listeners with just the technology of radio, I, I think. I think radio has what streaming services and and other anything that isn't radio doesn't have, and that's these powerful signals. That is, it just feels very legitimate. I think there's something radio maybe doesn't play that up enough. That we're not just another option. We're we're radio. It's been around for so many years and. It's just that technology has so much reach. It can do so much good in communities. It can be local. I think there's just a lot of things that radio has, and maybe there needs to be uh, more uh, outreach about that, uh, mm-hmm. teaching uh, listeners uh, all the things radio has that you can't get anywhere else. Mm, interesting. And I'll continue to tout discovery. You know, I remember growing up, I would hear, you know, I listened to, like, the, the rock station in uh, Dayton, Ohio, and they would play you know they would have a one i think it was one night a week and they would have like a local music show and uh, any band could submit their music and uh you know that's not to say would, they would definitely get played but they at least right. had the opportunity you know as long as the programmers thought it was good enough and i just I, I feel like that went away after a while on that station and i feel like a lot of stations i don't hear that as much anymore especially on some of those formats and like like an alt rock or a, a active rock format and that's something that i really enjoyed because it gave me a reason sometimes to listen to those stations whereas otherwise i'm like well why would i not just like go to on to maybe nowadays why would i just go into spotify and listen to those songs you know because i know what you're going to play already you know and i get that on demand possibly right now if i'm paying five bucks a month on spotify you know why not just go there and listen to 21 pilots you know whereas you know some of these state if some of these stations played like more music that you know i don't i'm not familiar with or uh local acts that I'm really not familiar with unless I'm going to local shows, you know, that gives me a little more incentive to listen in. And that gives me a little more incentive possibly in the public radio uh, aspect to, you know, donate. And to, mm-hmm. because I know I'm going to get like stuff that maybe it would be a lot harder for me to find otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I think that's sometimes what I'm missing. Um, but like, like I said before, I think AAA is one of the places that does that a little better. And I like that. That's why I love listening to it whenever I get a chance. And I go back to the personality, too, that that feeling of companionship you get mm-hmm. on radio, on a station like FUV, where these people, you feel like they're your friends, even if you've never met them. That's something that uh, I think only radio has. Yes. Mm. Yep, I agree. 
Well, Rita, keep on doing what you're doing. It's it's a great legacy at uh, WFUV of, of new music discovery and uh, just the personalities and and everything that makes uh, radio great and WFUV uh, great. Uh, and congratulations again on uh, being named one of Billboard's most uh, influential rock programmers. Could have said Thank that you. at any point in, in, in recent years, but Thank you. you just got the honor <laughs> this year. So always well-deserved. Thank you, and uh, uh, it was really fun to talk to you guys. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.